Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, one by one. We'll be free of spoilers from future episodes. However, any episodes that we've talked about in the past are full-on spoiler, full game. Uh, I'm Jason, and I'm a little disappointed that Lauren didn't get invited to the ballet. Uh, it's right up his alley. Yeah. And I'm Harrison, and I was going to make the same joke. Okay. <laughs> Jason. Great minds, they do think alike. Uh, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Angel Season 3, Episode 13, Waiting in the Wings. This is the one where Angel gets excited to take Angel Investigations to a night at the ballet. However, there is something very similar to the ballet that he saw this troupe perform over 100 years ago. Uh, Waiting in the Wings was written and directed by Joss Whedon and originally aired on February 4th, 2002. Hit it. Jason, uh, on a very ballet-themed episode, we decided to bring in a ballet-themed friend. Um, yes, I have been sitting on that joke all day. Uh, would you like to introduce our guest? Uh, well, I mean, you say friend, but at this point, she's pretty much family. Uh, oh, I, th- I was like, I'm about to be like, wow, You say friend, but I mean, we, don't, we aren't that close. <laughs> uh, we are joined today by Miss Erin Bretty. Um, who we both met while, honestly, around the same time that we met each other mm-hmm. during uh, the production of Sweeney Todd at uh, the Drama Studio, the St. Genesius Theater, and, um, and now the Dan Anderson Memorial Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aaron is still a teacher at the uh, Southern Indiana School for the Arts, mm-hmm. um, where, that, where that theater is. And uh, I'm not going to talk about her much anymore. You should talk about yourself. So welcome, Erin. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so yes, they, I'm, I'm the ballet-themed friend because uh, I majored into dance in college, and I've taught ballet classes for coming up on 10 years now after that. And um, even though I have never personally danced professionally, um, many, many friends who have and and kind of, um, you know, adjacent to that world, I would say. Mm-hmm. So. Um, well, Jason and or Aaron, would one of you like to tell everyone what we're drinking today? You're drinking some vodka martinis, yeah. shaken, yes. not stirred. Not stirred. I mean, at this point, like, I, I'm not really sure, like, why you would stir a martini, like any martini that you would make. Um the traditional way is just kind of shaking for me. Yeah. So, I if you have a, an, an aversion to cold on your hands, uh, oh, that's fair enough. Shake it, it's real fucking. But cold. I mean, you know, it's better than shaking hot things because you shake hot liquids, it can explode. That's true. Um, just not to get us on a tangent immediately, but uh, the night that we had our housewarming party, uh, it's actually before you all got here. Um, one of our glass pitchers uh, exploded. Oh no! John was use, was gonna make um, was making some tea and poured in the boiling water, and it just shattered. 
Um, We've all been there. Yeah, it was. Yes. It was like it wasn't a big deal. He was like, whatever. It was like fifteen dollars from Target. We can replace it. But like, I was like in the shower. Um, <laughs> like my parents were here, and one of my aunt and uncles were here. They were helping John finish up because I had like mowed the lawn real quick and was like showering. I like come back out, and they're like, "Oh yeah, pitcher exploded." And there's glass everywhere. <laughs> See, for a minute, I thought you were gonna say you were in the shower, and you just heard like. An explosion of glass and somebody scream. Oh, no. Be like, oh crap! I can't do anything. <laughs> I'm in the shower. I have to say, I'm not a big martini drinker, but this is very tasty, and it also feels very like '90s. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like martinis had a had a moment in the '90s, and it's, it just feels very appropriate. That makes sense. Yeah. In the '90s were kind of like that was one of the James Bond heydays because your mm-hmm. bras in an era. Like and then you was... have like the flip side of like apple teenies and Cosmos <laughs> and stuff that were all like in a martini glass. And, yeah. I love a martini glass. Mm-hmm. Um, I find them incredibly difficult to drink out of because the sides are literally made to slush liquid out of. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's it's still waiting to happen. Erin, um, would you like to lead us in a toast today? Sure. Uh, to being open-minded to new art forms. I like that. that. As we will uh, hear in our synopsis, we had a we had a convert to the ballet fandom. <laughs> yep, it was a very nice toast. Sometimes Jason and I, because we're doing this like every week, the toast is like uh, I don't know, toast to like. But this particular but. Thing, yeah, toast butts, probably. Uh, I know what my next toast is going to be because I love butts, but I, I always feel like, I mean, do I really just need to put that out there? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a, it's a universal experience. Butts are butts are great. It's true. Soundbite. And, and it's it like everybody's got one, so it combines us all. There yeah. you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Shall we? Yeah, um, we open up with uh, Wes, who is researching a very comely demon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're into that, uh, he's he is remarking about how beautiful she looks, her eyes, um, her sweetness, and uh, and of course Cordelia brings up the oh yeah, and the six breasts too. Then we find out that. Wes isn't commenting on the uh, demon. He is commenting on Fred, because as we realize, as we found out over the last couple of episodes, but very much in the last episode, Wes is very much in to Fred. But you know who's also into Fred? Charles Gunn. Mm-hmm. And we have talked before about how oh, I hate the love triangle and. It only, like, it's really played for comedic effect in this episode, but I don't like it. (laughs) No, it's really frustrating, because, one, it's just annoying that, you know, Fred's just stuck in the middle of this, Um, and we like Gunn and Wesley as characters, and it just puts Wesley in particular in a really bad light. Um, well, especially because, I mean, at this point, we, we've had a little bit more buildup of Gunn's mm-hmm. attraction to Fred. And when Fred's talking about it with Cordelia, she's very much assuming that it's with Gunn. Because you only see her interactions with Gunn. Yeah. And, I don't know, like, 
Wes just comes across snippy in this episode. He like he's kind of like, oh, jab you, jab you, jab you. <laughs> like, well, I felt like Cordelia was assuming that uh, Fred was her that Fred's attraction was in reference to Wes yeah. because um, because they she and Wes had had that conversation prior to that. So that's where she you know she told him like, hey, yeah, like it's. It's time, you know, like the, what, what did she say? The fire is hot. Yeah, he's waiting for the hot. iron to get yeah, hot. Yeah, yeah, the iron is hot. Um, and she, like, encourages him by mistake. Yeah. Wow. But that's, and that's part of the problem is Wesley doesn't make a move. Like, he, he doesn't. Not really. Gun's no. making moves. He's complimenting her. He's flirting. He's doing the work. And Gun and Wesley's just being a little pissant. Pining. Yeah. He's pining. Yeah. Yeah. Pining for the fields. <laughs> um... <laughs> Some little Monty Python reference there. Uh, the gun is uh, super excited because Angel was buying tickets for a band that Gun is really pumped to see. I can't remember the name. Monahari. Monahari. Okay. Um, which honestly, really cool name for a band. Uh, is it not a real band? What is it? Not a real band. I don't know. I I, I literally like you have they to ask my husband. <laughs> he would know. Uh, but, oh yes, and by the way, uh, for uh, those oh, all, I'm so stupid. Okay, so no, it is not a favorite. It's not a real band, but Matahari is a very famous um, exotic dancer yes. from like the late 1800s. Oh, so is that? Yeah. What... So it's a little bit of a contrast between like either a sexy dance or a classical goes to the dance okay. and uh i mean obviously like he it is a band that he's talking about yeah the name i think was probably intentional by the way by the way for those uh for those long listeners long time listeners of the show um we have had aaron's uh husband also very close friend of ours skylar uh on the podcast for he was actually our guest on the beer theme the, the the buffy season four episode beer bad which, um, so, you know, that's how we think of you in, in Skyler. <laughs> He's beer in your ballet. <laughs> I mean... I hope you take that as the compliment it's <laughs> your, your reason for inviting Skylar on was like, you know, Skylar's making beer. We can invite him on to the beer episode. He was at the time. We haven't done that in a while. You guys are already, like... You guys have plenty of projects that you're doing on your yes, own. Yes, yeah. Um, but... Uh, Gun is a tad disappointed when Angel says that, uh, well, I was going to get the tickets to Matahari, but then I saw that they were selling tickets to the Blinikov. Is that, is that, a, is that the correct pronunciation? Blinikov. Blinikov. Something Russian. The Blinikov World <laughs> Ballet Corps and their performance of Giselle. And uh, Cordy's just like, yeah, you, you say that like we know what it is. Um, and poor, poor Angel. You can tell that he's really excited. This is a, this is a, a ballet production that he saw, um, in like 1890s, mm-hmm. in the 1890s. Clearly it stuck with him. Yeah. Uh, and like he cried during it and he was evil back then. That was before the curse. <laughs> so I'm going to, I have to say, I'm curious on your thoughts on this, Aaron. I am moderately versed in ballet um, especially now that John works at the Louisville Ballet we go see far more than we used to but we used to go like once a season mm-hmm. um, uh, that helps that I had access to comps at the time um, so I like enjoy ballet although I'm not like super fluent but I have to say Giselle is so boring <laughs> I don't care for it 
I... I think we, you and Harry have had this discussion I was before. Like, is like, what, yeah. do you like Giselle, or do you... So, um, I, I do. I do like Giselle. Um, it it is sounds like there's an asterisk after that. <laughs> but... I, I, it's long. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give it that. And, um, I think that one of the things I, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more out of this episode, and maybe we'll get into this later, but... Um, Giselle has a really like uh, metaphysical world to it, right. uh, theme to it, and I, I kind of wanted to see that those themes maybe be mirrored in this episode a little bit more, since I felt like maybe they picked Giselle intentionally, but then um, but it, it didn't really like come through as an intentional pick in the way that like the story was told. So, do you all know the plot of Giselle? So, or should we recap? Um, I was like, yeah, go ahead and give it a recap real quick. I was like, I know the plot, but you'll be better at explaining it than okay. I am. So, Giselle is a peasant girl, and then she's she's you know young and pretty. Um, Prince, I want to say his name is Prince Albrecht. I might be getting the name wrong, but the prince of the land comes to um, basically slum it for a day. He's like, I'm going to dress up like I'm a commoner and be cool because my mom wants me to like get married. She's like forcing me into this whole marriage thing and I'm not into it. And so he goes and he slums it for a day and Giselle falls in love with him. He like flirts with her. They dance together. She Is, isn't that is what like, Jasmine does in Aladdin? Uh, kind of, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And so... Um, so yeah, it, and 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 she believes that um, that they that he is committed to her, and come to find out, Mama Queen says no, and you've got to marry a princess and blah 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 politics, and <laughs> Giselle finds out and is devastated to the point where in a very famous scene called the Mad Scene, mm-hmm. she this kills herself. This was the part that I really liked. Not, yes. not that she kills herself part. Just the scene itself was the scene very itself energetic. Is, like, it has a great energy. She's like, her hair's falling out. She's running around the stage. She's like begging all of her friends to like, please understand where I, like, my grief. And, and just everybody's like, you're crazy. And she grabs a sword and stabs herself. Sorry, spoilers. Um, and so that all happens in the first act and then in the second act it is um all about her as um essentially a ghost but a very particular kind of ghost because in this world um she in in the forest outside of this village there are are what are called the willies um and they are specifically the spirits of jilted women and their um their like purpose or their their goal is to enact a revenge on men particularly mm-hmm. so they so are malicious yeah, that's yes. what i'm getting and so we've, we've got some of that going on in buffy so because giselle <laughs> dies and um as a jilted lover she becomes a willy. And then there's like a leader. Um, her name is Murta. She's very like kind of sharp and ang- angry. And um, and so what they do is they lure young men into dancing with them. And then they don't release them from dancing with them. They dance them to death, basically. 
basically. And so later on, the prince goes hunting the forest and the willies get him. And Giselle, because she still loves the prince, despite him being kind of an asshole to her, protects him from the willies or, or, or does her best to protect him from the willies. So that's the that's kind of the story. So it, it, um, is that where um, the, the term for like being afraid, uh, giving you the willies giving comes Giving me the from? willies? I don't know. I don't think it comes directly from the ballet because nobody mm. knows ballet enough to like have a big cultural <laughs> thing. But I wonder if maybe they are from the same like branch of language, you know, or yeah. the, the same etymological tree. Um, so, you know, there there are themes in this episode of like uh, being unre- trapped unrequited in a love and being trapped in a dance. So there are some ways that it ties together. But, but uh, yeah. you brought it up and um, you brought it up and I also like was thinking it while you were saying it was how... Um, we both recently watched The Red Shoes for the first time, yeah. and uh, there's a lot more of like the whole lovers, mm-hmm. the the plight of the prima ballerina is very similar to the story of The Red Shoes. Yes, which, and I by the way, a little, kick-ass movie. I took us a little bit on a, a tangent there. Do you want to continue with the the synopsis here? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, well, no, we asked for the synopsis no. of Giselle, okay. and it's great. I, I like yeah. that you brought it up because I. I am not too familiar with ballet. I adore it when I see it, uh, but I'm not like, uh, like, I didn't know that Giselle was a real ballet. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I, you know, so, uh, but yeah, and you know, my reference for ballet is from The Red Shoes and Black Swan. <laughs> I, um, I remember I was told the plot of Giselle before I went and saw it, mm-hmm. and so it was basically exactly the way you just described it. And so I actually enjoyed, quite enjoyed the first act, especially like the madness scene. And then I was stoked. I was like, now we're getting into the fucking ghosts. And like, I, I was, a, I was a little surprised when you said like she killed herself and that's the end of act one. And I'm like, there's more. <laughs> that's like, that's a story all of itself. It is, yeah. Um, so I was like stoked for the ghosts. And then and maybe it was just the production I saw, but I was just like, it was so, like, lank. Like, nothing really happened. Yes. I was very disappointed. And it was, like, it was largely, like, all the willies kind of forming, like, a bit of a V on stage while, like, little solos were happening. And I was like, but I want more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And therein we get into some of the issues with, like, classical ballet and romantic ballet and, um... So Giselle is considered a romantic ballet. It's um, one of the um, one of the later romantic ballets, but um, but the romantic era came before the classical era. Mm-hmm. The classical era really kind of got into a lot more like tricks, and um, that's where you see technique really start to explode. Um, it's where tutus got shorter. You'll notice all the skirts in Giselle are really long and flowy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the romantic era of ballet is, um, a lot more concerned with, like, fairies, um, La Sylphide with the sylphs, you mm-hmm. know, they're a form of fairy, um, is another example, um, and 
things are a lot more flowy and soft and technique hadn't really developed. I mean, Giselle is still a very technically challenging ballet for the soloist especially. Um, but the, the overall like vibe mm-hmm. on stage is very like soft and feminine and flowy and ethereal. Um, and that's what they were going for. But you know, it can be a little bit monotonous and they're all in white you know, yeah. so like the color scheme is a little bit monochrome, and <laughs> you know, like they're. I totally get, totally get what you're talking about. Yeah, like it, it would seem like costuming is a huge thing because your sets. I feel like with ballet, at least the ballet that I've seen, the sets can't be too dynamic. Um, like you'd see in a, like you'd see in like a theatrical production of a play, um, because you know too much, like too dynamic of a set takes attention away from the dancers and That's the movement uh, yeah. it would feel like you know what you can put on the dancers mm-hmm. is like that ha- that's as important that's maybe not as important as the dance but like almost as important as the dance mm-hmm. i'll be honest when i go to the ballet often my my big thing that i just always take away is the costuming I mean, that's in general. I also feel that way about, like, movies and plays. I just really am interested in... I love good costumes. Yeah. But, like, um, I think ballet in particular has... Because of its uniqueness of, of form... Um, can do more interesting stuff with costumes. Um, uh, especially with, you know, the way it moves on a dancer's body. But they, but, and, yeah, and they have to be, like, functional as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. By the way, have we ever, like had as much of a slam dunk on a guest selection as with this because I have learned so much about ballet oh, like already I'll try not to turn it into a lecture like no, I, I do want to like no, continue I, to move I, I love it like this is so much more interesting than the crap that we normally talk about like oh is Jason going to complain about how I met your mother ended again for like the 80th time is Harrison going to make a boner joke <laughs> probably yes, yes. But especially I mean, in this yeah, the, yeah there's plenty of opportunity to do it the, the um, teacher in me is coming out no I love it I, I love this um yeah, Gunn is absolutely, uh, he, the trust is lost between <laughs> him and Angel because it's like, you're going to make me go see like a frou-frou ballet with guys and their like enormous packages that, there's there's the chance for a boner joke right there. I'll, I'll save it. Okay. The actual boner joke. <laughs> God, it holds. There were many in this episode. <laughs> But uh, uh, by the way, Gun, my MVP for this episode. Oh yeah, no, Gun is frequently my MVP. But like, well, I always talk about how um, I love it when we see Gun open up mm-hmm. um, because normally he is like kind of just the tough guy, and when we get to see a little bit more character from him, it's great. So the idea of like a tough guy falling in love with ballet. Uh, to the point where, like, you know, they have to go save Angel, but he's like, we're gonna miss the end! <laughs> that is awesome. I I love that, when you can do that with this character, especially. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, um, Angel says, like, you know, we're gonna get we're gonna, we're gonna get, uh, we're gonna get dressed up, and we're just gonna have, like, a great night out. And I feel like the intention was to feel like a bunch of adults going to, uh, going, like, out on a really nice night out on the town, it comes across more as like uh, a bunch of eighteen-year-olds going to prom, <laughs> but I still kind of really does. I'm not out. sure anybody under the age of eighty still wears a tux anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong, though. I I've often heard like I've I've actually had this thought like shared with some other people. 
But um, I like kind of miss the idea of uh, of going to prom as an adult. <laughs> like just you know having one night where you just like get dressed up with um, your significant other or just your friends. And just, like, going out to, like, a place and just, like, dancing and having, like, a nice dinner beforehand. I feel like that's not... I feel like that that's Sorry. a little harder to organize. I know you're, you're going to tell the story about where you had, no, your, where you had dinner at your prom. I'm not going to tell the story because I've told it before. But I just... It was when you said that it just... Because I don't know if you know this. Um, I, for my prom, me and my friends went to Gaddyland. <laughs> which is which is fun as well. Which no. is fucking great. Oh, yeah. yeah. And our friend, because we spent so much money. I guess I am telling the story. Um, <laughs> uh, we, you spent so much money. The taxes, yeah. the tickets, you know, all that stuff. And we were like, we're also going to have to spend all this money on dinner and like a sit down. And someone made a joke about like, we could just go to Gaddyland. And we like, the joke steadily became not a joke anymore. Yeah. We went to fucking Gaddyland. We ate our pizza in our tucks and dresses. We went and played some arcade games for a while. Fun. And then we went to prom. And the, the people in our friend group who declined to go to Gaddyland and went to the Macaroni Grill instead, mm-hmm. food poisoning. Oh no! <laughs> so that's not really on them. That's on the macaroni grill, oh, which I, I to this point it, still have never been to. Oh, I don't think you can. I think it's gone. Oh, it is. Really? Oh, I thought there was still like I thought there were still some places that were open. Well, I, then I, I apologize for slandering the macaroni grill. I uh, technically you're not. Um, you're, you're just like mistaken about whether they're open or not. My, I did just accuse them of giving my friends food poisoning. My prom experience, we didn't go to dinner beforehand, but we all hung out at a friend's house afterwards. Yes, and same. that was really mm-hmm. fun. Um, and um, I think there are places, or not places, but like, I have seen people do adult proms before. Oh, like, okay. I, I, you're not the only one I, who I has like that, that desire. Yeah. By the way, um, <laughs> the one thing... I, I mean, I, I say the one thing that I remember. It's not because, like, you know, there was a lot of drinking involved because there wasn't. Uh, but the one thing I specifically remember from the after party of my prom was since all the guys had, like, you know, dress socks on and everything, uh, we did a lot of, like, sliding across my friend's, like, very smooth floor, fun. like the apartment <laughs> floor. And that was a ton of fun. Uh, is yeah, that no. your, what is that? Uh, risky business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I... Part of me does wonder if the impetus for this episode... I mean, I actually know what the real impetus for this episode is, and I'll bring that in a minute. But I wonder if someone on the cat, or in the production was like, we have an extremely attractive cast. Yes. We need to come up with some excuse to put them in tuxes and fancy dresses. <laughs> like, because, yeah. let's just be real. These people are already good-looking, and then, like, they look great. I, I, I think Charisma in particular... Mm-hmm. Is the standout? Yeah. She, her hair up with that kind of Audrey Hepburn sort of sort of do. Um, I mean, I am dyed in the wool, gay. And, like, <laughs> and you can acknowledge I was like, a damn. good looking girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, after a short uh, after a short scene where we're introduced to who's obviously the villain um <laughs> radiates bad yeah guy. <laughs> i mean aaron who's like never seen an episode of the show is just like oh he's clearly the bad guy he's got a giant right. red evil medallion on his chest i mean honestly he looks like in, like his goatee just screams i'm gonna tie a woman to a railroad Subtlety track subtlety is not this show yeah. okay he, he was giving me rasputin in yes. Yes. Asia. Like, <laughs> oh yeah 
I mean, like, he's definitely about to break out into the dark of the night. <laughs> but we don't really find out what his shtick is until much later in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. This is an Which episode I, that's I do appreciate. not... Some, some episodes of the show... You can say there's any show like this that has weekly villains. Like, sometimes the villain is more... Is The episode's really interested in exploring the villain, and sometimes mm-hmm. the villain is there to cause the problem. And this right. week, the villain is there to cause the problem. And I yeah. do like I do like the fact that uh, we don't get a lot more of these, uh, oh, let's see what this guy's up to. We get, like, glimpses of him looking at the, at the performance, but I like the more... Um, Let's just focus on the like Angel and Cordelia in particular discovering like the the magic that's mm-hmm. going on backstage. Yeah. Uh, but let's go so to, to like speak. let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about dresses. Uh, you already brought this up, but yeah, Fred um, and Cordelia are shopping for some new dresses. Uh, they uh, because all the guys are renting tuxes. And they're going to do their own version of renting dresses, uh, as Cordelia says. It's a it's a saying amongst their people, uh, or a practice amongst her people, of um, of buying a dress, buying an expensive dress, hiding the tag, and then returning it the next day. A well worn sitcom trope. <laughs> yes, right. uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, Aaron, just for uh-huh. some background uh, on Cordelia's character. Oh, we didn't actually ask this. We usually ask the new guests what their relationship to the show is. Mm. Oh, and, yeah. Because yeah. you already know. I have seen maybe like three episodes before, and they've all been in relation to you guys <laughs> asking me to watch episodes. So I, I really have very little... Um, knowledge of these characters or anything. Jason gave me a little background before we watched the episode, but um, yeah. So Cordelia is a uh, she. She makes an allusion to it um, where she refers to herself as the ditziest bitch in Sunnydale. She's like a former r- high school rich mean girl. Okay. Um, so during her time on Buffy, she was like she she was an antagonistic force, and she had a character arc that slowly where she became more friendly with the core group. Um, but then after she met up with Angel in Los Angeles, she's had a massive character arc that where she's become much more empathetic and heroic. Um, and obviously there's been some romance with Angel mm-hmm. uh, or teases of romance with mm-hmm. Angel. And is she fully human or is there like weird... So it's funny that you should ask that because... Um, <laughs> she, she used to be fully yeah, human. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Um, so... Uh, all right, real quick. Um, when the third character in Angel, when the show started, was uh, a demon named Doyle, who had visions from the powers that be, um, which is kind of like the overall um, omniscient, omnipresent force in uh, of good of good okay. in in this in this universe. And uh, however, uh, Doyle died fairly early on in season one. And uh, right before he died, he passed the visions on to Cordelia. Gotcha. And so these visions are basically to show when people are in need of Angel's help in particular. And uh, over the past, over the course of the show, the visions were never intended for a fully human person, for a human person. Uh, So they've been doing like just a number on Cordelia's health. And just fairly recently, 
um, she went through a bit of a trial where, uh, you know, if, if she kept the visions, they would kill her unless there is a workaround. And there is a workaround. She she has now become part demon. Oh, okay. Is, is this the struggle, uh, the reason that her visions can't show her that she clearly needs Angel's hot bod? I mean. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a personal barrier right there. That's, that's like some therapy is needed for that one. Uh, we, we joke about this a lot, especially right now where we are in season six of Buffy, which is a really dark season where the characters are... Literally, not communicating. Yeah. Also literally dark. I had a very tough time seeing things yeah. in this episode. In fairness, I, part of the problem is is my living room. We don't have enough curtains in there, but we have a ton of windows. And it was a very bright day. Mm-hmm. But um, no, uh, we, we joke a lot about how there would be no show if these characters would just go to fucking therapy. <laughs> yeah. But yes, um... Uh, Cordelia brings up that, uh, oh, you might want to impress a guy. Uh, and so Fred thinks like, oh, you, you think so? And again, you mentioned that, uh, um, Wes was talking to Cordelia about how he's into Fred. Um, Fred is only aware of Gun being into her. So when, uh, and she's like, oh, are you sure? I mean, you think it's meant to be? And, uh. Cordelia's just like, yes, I think you look great together. You should go for it. And uh, so obviously, they're thinking about different guys. Crust wires. And it does make sense from Cordelia's perspective. Because on paper, Fred and Wesley are the more obvious pairing. They're both intellectuals. Um, she's a scientist. Which, is, more into, like, which is referenced by that last little line of the episode. Yeah. Um, but I just have to be real... And when I first watched the show, I'll, I'll be honest, I was like, oh yeah, Wesley and Fred are obviously meant for one another. And every time I've rewatched, I'm just like, oh no, I fucking love Gunn and Fred together. They have such good chemistry and they're just adorable. <laughs> the, uh, I can't really get into spoilers without like making a point, yeah, so, I <laughs> so I won't. Um, well, but, suffice it to say, we'll have more to say on that. Yeah, we, we will. Um, but Fred also brings up, uh, oh, well, you know, you should find that, uh, dress that'll definitely impress Angel. And, uh, again, as you mentioned, Cordelia just can't seem to see it that, uh, she's that in she, denial. Yeah, she is in denial, um, all the way in the, all the way in the country of Egypt. She is in denial about, she wants Angel's hot bod and Angel wants her hot bod as mm-hmm. he is trying to deny in front of Lorne. Now, we didn't really tell you about Lorne before the uh, episode started, but Lorne is a demon from a world uh, called Pylea, um, which is also where our uh, surprise appearance guest at the end of the episode uh, shows up from. Uh, But he is basically a demon who has the ability to kind of read people and like Mm -hmm. kind of see their destiny, read their inner thoughts and feelings. But they can really only he can really only do it when uh, somebody is in this case like kind of putting their whole self forward mm-hmm. and usually in the form of singing. Like he originally <laughs> ran a karaoke bar where people would sing karaoke and he would kind of give them a destiny. Yeah. Love it. Um, I love we love this character. <laughs> oh yeah. I thought it was really fun, honestly. Like every little bit that I saw of him in this episode, I was like. <laughs> No, he, he's he, a good addition he is, to the... He is delightful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, they really do kind of like, for the second and for the second season, 
uh, when he first appears. They really do kind of skate around him becoming a main member of the mm-hmm. of the team. But after his club has been destroyed twice, Aww. indirectly due to the uh, to the actions of our of our main characters, he is now taken up uh, temporary residence in the Hyperion Hotel, mm-hmm. and that puts him more in the action. In this case. He does not get to be in the action because he is babysitting Connor. Yeah. <laughs> Which he is very upset about. <laughs> but uh, he is kind of like just telling Angel, hey man, look, you are definitely into Cordelia. He brings up uh, Chiromption again. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we, we... Fred's brought that up before. Fred brought Fred. it up. It's a Pylean word uh, that is basically when two champions... Um, which at this point, Angel and Cordelia are both considered to be champions for the cause of good, um, basically fall in love and come together. Um, and, and there's more than a little bit implied, uh, sexy times in the word. I mean, just listen to the word, chirumption. Right? It's It's got rump in it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I hadn't really... (laughs) To butts! Yes! (laughs) John's like probably in there watching like Frasier or something. He's like, what the fuck? No, he's not. He's he's totally used to this shit. <laughs> I mean, if he's not used to you talking about butts by now, how did you ever get married? Right. It's, it's a pretty common con- conversation that he does not want to be part of. Uh, but yeah, and you know, Lauren's kind of like pointing out the obvious, and he also says like, oh, and you've always had a thing for ex cheerleaders. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you forgot the most important thing that Lauren is doing. Just calling Angel pastries. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny because, like, honey I always, I always, yeah, I call it honey bun, cinnamon roll, <laughs> and I always, I always forget how funny the stop calling me pastries is because it seems like a throwaway line. But damn it, if that doesn't make me laugh every time, yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> it's 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 just another example of, and it's one of the things we talk about a lot about how Angel on Buffy is a bit of a one dimensional character. He's Buffy's boyfriend who broods a lot, and getting his own show really has allowed him to brood. And the side of it we get to see that we never really got to see on Buffy is his petty side, <laughs> um, and. Uh, Sometimes when he's brooding, it really is sulking. Um, <laughs> and I, I love that. I love that we can, you know, give our hero, all of our heroes, these sides of them that aren't necessarily pleasant. You know, I wouldn't want them to A be full sulky all the time. Spectrum yeah. sulky to brooding yeah. to as a general assholery. As a as a person who can be. Petty. Um, <laughs> you never. I, I appreciate seeing that in our hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all like it when we have a flawed hero because it's like, oh, if that person's flawed, then it's all right if I've got my own. Yeah. I don't have to work on myself because that fictional character I admire <laughs> shares my same flaws. So <laughs> I recently saw a meme that's kind of like related to this, but like. Uh, it's basically got this picture of Aragorn underneath of it, and then it's like this guy talking to his therapist, and he's like, I don't want to rely on my friends all the time. And the therapist says, like, you know who else relies on their friends? Points at poster. <laughs> and he's like, it, are you saying that Aragorn, son of Arathorn, is weak for relying on his friends? And it's like, no. no. And then the therapist pushes <laughs> the tissues forward. I didn't see that one. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, that tactic... Does work on some certain types of people. I mean, 
I'm not going to yeah. say who. We'll just, we'll just <laughs> leave it and you can draw your own conclusions. This is when we get... Um, but yeah, like this is very much when it feels like the most pre-prom type of scene. Because, oh, gun. Well, I was gonna say like Angel sees uh, the reveal. Oh, yeah. Angel yes. sees Cordelia the hot girl in a dress. Yeah. Angel sees Cordelia in her dress. I mean, you mentioned it before. And Cordelia is always beautiful, even when she's wearing like clothes that may not extenuate that. But damn this dress. Yeah. Damn I love this Lauren's, hairstyle. Um, Lauren's like, I take it back. I forgot how. Oh no! I always get them mixed up. <laughs> Which one means ugly? Is it homely or comely? Comely, comely, homely, homely, homely. Yes, homely. Yeah, he's like I forgot how homely she is. <laughs> in my yes. mind too, okay. and I know she doesn't do this, but in my mind she walks in and kind of like leans up against oh, the door with her arm. Does, does yeah. she? Yeah. Okay, yeah. never mind. That wasn't it. Yeah. Okay, so somehow I took a memory for myself Which that was real, and I. Convince myself it was fake. She fucking knows how hot she is. <laughs> oh, yeah. dress. A hundred percent. And she Cor- is milking it. And any, pr- any uh, pretending to the contrary is a facade. No, <laughs> she knows no, no. exactly One how hot she is. One of the consistent things about Cordelia's <laughs> character is that she is always aware of how good looking she is. Yeah. Um, I mean, she even like makes the joke like, oh, yeah, you can fight all the monsters you want, but you gotta... You gotta, like, uh, kiss a hottie. Like, yeah. she knows. In yeah. the episode where she becomes part demon, there's a whole bit where she's in, like, an astral plane, and her guide through the plane is just like, oh, people's astral plane, or astral forms they take on are usually idealized versions of themselves, but you look exactly the same. You're pretty confident, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah. And she's, she's basically like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, who's not aware of how good-looking she is? Fred. And uh, both Gunn and Wes are uh, very uh, blown away by how great she looks. Uh, Gunn is, like, a little worried about how he looks in a tux. He looks great. Uh, yeah, no, he does. The J. August Richards, I mean, we've mentioned it before, he's a very good-looking yeah, man. he's a pretty man. <laughs> you don't get to be an actor on a major TV show if you're not Yeah, Especially pleasing. on the WB now, in the 2000s. He, now, I, I will yeah. say, it's not, like... I will say that we're fully into the CW pretty era where like you have to be pretty to be on a CW show. Otherwise you're a bad person that'll die that episode. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, you can definitely see that. Uh, you know, it was like, oh yeah. Like you said, we have a very beautiful cast. <laughs> um, but yeah. And uh, so they go to the theater um, and uh, Angel... Angel's like a little mad about how far away their seats are. He's like, you used to always get box seats. Like I'd either pay, I'd be able to afford them, or I'd just eat the people who <laughs> who were there. Now, um, this is really funny because this is when you brought up uh, that uh, you and Aaron, uh, you still do, uh, but uh, how you guys like also worked together for a time at the Kentucky Center in ticketing. Um, and uh, you mentioned how the magic of going to see a show is a little lost on both of you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not... The, I mean, yes. But it's just like, I'm... The one that really got me was like, oh no, there, there are like dozens upon dozens of people uh, who work at that venue who work backstage. And like, <laughs> like where are they? Because they, these touring shows don't just... I mean, there was do, a security guard. There was a security guard, but it, um, it's like, 
It's those little things like that. And I know Aaron yeah. has some thoughts about the actual dancing that we'll get to, but like, s- listen, suspension of disbelief and all that, you just have to immerse yourself in the world. But I was like, where are the ushers? Um, also, you went and bought tickets today for apparently this, like, world-renowned ballet, and you're in Los Angeles, like... That's one night only. Yeah. Yeah, especially a one-night engagement, like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, honey, you, you, I do believe you were getting tickets, you weren't getting five tickets together, even three and two. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, they were three and two, that's right. Well, maybe. Which is a, maybe. I would believe that in something. Maybe not now. everybody shared Angel's reverence for this particular ballet company, and I have some opinions as to maybe why. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, I do. By the way, I do have to point out. Um, so uh, one thing we like doing on the show is like we we get like if we need reminders on what happened in the episode, we look at the Buffy wiki. Okay. Uh, and the Buffy however, wiki is full of gems. Yes, uh, we've got a good one here. Uh, at the theater, the gang find their way to their seats and Angel grumbles at the distance to the stage and remembers how, in the past, getting a box seat was only a good meal away. <laughs> um, There's some sassiness in those Buffy wiki writers that I love. Oh, it's great. So... It's funny, Cordelia says something along the lines of, like, don't let's reminisce. Mm-hmm. And then later, she says... Um, don't, let's, don't let's ruin this, yeah. Oh, I thought she said reminisce. No, yeah, she said, okay. ru- yeah. She's like, don't ruin it. But later on, she also says, like, she she does a we- another weird, like, um... God, I can't remember It's like one of those was. weird turn of phrase, like, don't yeah. let's, yeah. Yeah, don't, but like, I was like, she doesn't usually talk like that. She was trying to uh, fancy. That's kind of my thing. Was like, <laughs> I was wondering if it was like a like a thing where she was just like, oh, I'm at the ballet, so I'm going to say things like, don't let's. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be posh. Which actually is in character for her to like, even though she doesn't normally talk like that, yeah. to like try to fancy up her speech. <laughs> so um, before we get into the uh, Angel Investigations team's reactions to the ballet, which are varied and enjoyable as all hell mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um let, let's probably bring like the one of the main reasons you were brought in for this episode like uh just kind of commenting in general on the depiction of in this case a performance of giselle so because um, you you made like a you made a little bit of a jab right <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> um okay so these dancers right so they are and i wonder so at first i was just very critical and as I watched the episode more and we revealed more about the plot, I wondered if this was intentional. I doubt it. But <laughs> I did notice immediately that these dancers are, um, if you were to compare them to kind of a modern technical caliber, they are um, clearly classically trained. However, maybe at the level of like, an advanced high school dancer slash college dancer. like Nowhere near professional. Not a professional whatsoever. Um, and none of them were. Um, but especially not like the lead. Giselle is like a major deal to dance that role. Well, you're on stage constantly. Um, and this dancer had some, some nice things about her. Her porta bra, which are like the arms... Um, were very lovely, but like she just like 
her head was weird. <laughs> her head, her head was very stiff. Her facial expression was like null. Which, as the episode goes on, you kind of learn maybe some reasons why that might be. But, um, but at first, I was very off put by it. And then the other thing was just like technically, like I would expect. Um, like the legs to be a little bit higher, the the musculature to be stronger, um, the overall um, flexion through the point shoes and things like that would be much more advanced than what this particular dancer was bringing to the role. And you know, a lot of times in TV and in media in general, um, they they don't hire people who are actually dancing professionally. Um, and that shows to anybody who has even a modicum of dance awareness training. Um, and I wondered if that was the case. I still think maybe that might be the case here, but I so, think that they did kind of build in some, some scaffolding into the plot that might soften that and, and kind of explain it in a way. I ha- I'm curious because, so the, this actress is mm-hmm. Summer Glau. Did, did you? Uh, do, does that name sound familiar at all? It does not. But right. I liked her acting. I thought, like, yeah. actually, her performance as an actor was pretty good. So she is. This was her first like role. Oh. Um, she and she. The next year after this, she was cast because of this role uh, as one of the main characters on Joss Whedon's show Firefly. Oh, so okay. and she kind of like gained, um, if not like widespread um, fame. Definitely fame in like the kind of nerd yeah. TV show community. <laughs> okay. Like yeah. she is kind of like a a nerd goddess because like she's I mean, been in... Firefly fans are nerds. <laughs> yeah. Just... Um, but yeah, like uh, she's also like a main role in um in uh the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, she became like a really awesome role in uh in Dollhouse, the second mm-hmm. season of that. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like just the the big stuff that she's been in apart from, like, the Joss Whedon stuff. Yeah. And, uh, Terminator, and, uh... Uh, I know she was in Arrow for a bit. Um, yeah. Some minor character. But she she does have a dance background. Mm-hmm. But she, um... She had an injury shortly before she did this episode oh. that ended her dancing career and that's actually what brought her into just acting. cut it short. So I'm uh, kind okay. of... I'm wondering, does yeah. that maybe... Ex- it, it maybe does, and I I could definitely tell, like, the dance training is there. She's just not, like, at the level. I think what it, what it was for me was that um, at the level at which somebody would be like, oh, my gosh, have you ever seen the Bolshoi Ballet? You know, like, I don't know if y'all have ever watched Russian dancers, but they are unreal. Like... So to be to have that expectation of like this is world class, mm-hmm. like that was not at world class level dancing. That said, it was still very like obviously she, you know, knew what she was doing. I can, had a lot I of can training, easily see. You know. um, I'm assuming that like Joss Whedon was involved with the casting for this. I can right. easily see him like getting professional about like ballerinas and uh dancers would be probably way above the show's budget (laughs) so uh, he could probably he probably specifically looked for people with like at the amateur level but with With, like you said the classical training yeah and i that was kind of consistent across the board with like even like the dancers who are in the quarter ballet which is kind of like the the dancers in the, the background 
um, you could tell that like it wasn't like they just pulled somebody in off the street and put point shoes on them. Like they had dance training, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like to the degree of and, a world class company. And Summer Glau, um, at least in Sarah Connor Chronicles, but probably in other stuff as well, she uh, does have scenes where she kind of shows off a little mm-hmm. bit of her dance background. Well, her in Firefly, anytime she's involved in any sort of fight scene, her her style of fighting is very is based around her dance background mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which also makes sense because she's very small and yes. like and, but she's yeah. also meant to be like this like waif assassin yeah um, yeah uh, this I feel like this is a good transition into I mentioned earlier the reason the impetus for this episode actually came from the fact that Amy Acker uh, has a dance background and dance ballet for like 15 years um, and there actually is a scene that was shot um but doesn't end up in the episode, and it's for good reason. But they wanted to show off her. But there's, it's basically during while her, Wesley, and Gunn are watching the show, and Cordelia and Angel are backstage. Um, it's a like a dream sequence. It's like a dream sequence, an imagination uh, sequence, a fantasy yeah. sequence uh, that I think is from Wesley's perspective. But it's it's of the three of them, like in the show. Like, oh, I am very glad that was not in there. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like, Amy dancing beautifully, and the two of them dancing goofily, but like <laughs> yeah, fighting right. over her affections. It's, I, I've seen it, and like, as a scene, like just removed from the actual narrative of the show, it's pretty funny. Like it, it, it's but. And, and I don't know. I thought Amy was a good dancer. I I don't have the knowledge you to you have to have said otherwise. But like in, I'm so glad they cut it because the love triangle stuff is already too much. Yeah, in yeah. I mean, like and, I mean, like I I was annoyed by the whole like both of them putting their hands oh. on her leg. Um, <laughs> this is so much more than that, and I'm glad yeah. I didn't have to see it. Uh, but um, with all that being said. Uh, Angel is, of course, uh, Angel at first uh, is enraptured by it, but he starts to get a little look of worry on his face. Um, Wes is kind of more paying attention to Fred than he is the actual show. Cordelia falls asleep immediately. Um, and uh, Fred is also like... She's just having a good time. Yeah, she's having a good time. But then there's Gun, who is into it he loves it and as i mentioned before i love that for his character i we, we really skated over this and so i'm just gonna take us back for a second um we do learn earlier that fred uh doesn't have an intensive history with ballet but her and her parents did always go see the nutcracker <laughs> and she had her first sexual dream about the rat which game. is a hilarious joke <laughs> <laughs> so you, you kind of have to wonder <laughs> Is it? Do you think it's about like it, a lot, like an anthropomorphized rat, or do you think it's about specifically that dancer in that costume? You can't really see the dancer who's inside the costume. He's mm-hmm. covered up by a giant okay. rat head, so it's probably about. I've never seen the Nutcracker live. The rat. <laughs> uh, oh, we can fix that for you. Yeah, we have the resources. Right. It's actually, uh, the Louisville Ballet's Nutcracker is very good. I like um, that. Yeah. No, this this episode just immediately made me think of like, God, I like, 
I do not see enough ballet. And I was about to like yell at John, like, hey, John, can you give me ballet tickets to whatever's coming up next? Yes, he can. I I also just think that the Nutcracker would translate uh, extremely easily into a horror movie. Oh, yeah. Like, this is like dark the, shit. The, the Disney I mean, yeah, you could, you they kind of went there. Yeah. I mean, you got, you, got like, you got like large. Large rats and rats are in like fairness, off-putting. In fairness, they're they're regular sized rats. Well, yeah. She just becomes small. Yeah, <laughs> but then you've also got like the body horror of a guy being turned into a, like a nutcracker doll. Mm-hmm. It's 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 fucked up. Yeah, you it's, got you've got potential in there. A lot, if they can make a horror movie out of Winnie the Pooh, they can make a horror movie out of just about anything. A lot of a lot there's, of ballets have a bunch of nationalistic uh, racist tropes. Yeah, plenty to be scared of. I don't, I don't need that horror in my life. That's <laughs> happening in the real world. Um, What's the Sorry, other the folks one? in the 1800s ate it up. Um, <laughs> what was the other one that recently I was like, oh, was, oh, Capellia. Also, yeah. easily. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially, especially the Wolf of Ballet's version. Those, they're, yeah. The dolls. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, Listen so... to us talk about these shows that you can't see because they haven't already. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, but uh, after, during intermission, um, you know, everybody's kind of talking about like how great it was. Uh, but Angel's like, yeah, the thing is, and, um, I think Wes is the one who brings up like, oh, like, is it, is it, uh, is it like as good as what you saw in the 1890s? And he's like, oh, it's, um, it's, it's pretty much the same. They're like, oh, choreography is the same. Like, no, no, everything's the same, including the performers. And they're like, well, that can't be true. And, uh, they're like, oh, or is it possible that they're vampires? But Angel would have, uh. Angel says that he would have detected it, and Wes says, like, oh, from even from that far back? <laughs> Fuck you, Wes. <laughs> I, don't re- I don't think you're paying for these tickets. That's a good so. dig, though. I mean, <laughs> I missed that line, but that's a good one. I have to say, I, I, I did laugh at his, uh, uh, because they decide to split up. It, Cordy's going to go help Angel search backstage, and he has the line where he's like, um, how will the dancers keep time without your rhythmic snoring? <laughs> I'm sorry. Solid burn. No, no, it, it is a burn, but damn, Wes, that's harsh. Wes, Angel and Cordelia have nothing to do with your weird love triangle. They're just, they're in their own love triangle <laughs> yeah, situation. Yeah, I, I don't know, like, who's trying to, well, no, I know who's trying to impress, but you're not going to impress Fred by being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Fred is the epitome of nice girl. Like, she's the sweetest little sweetheart. But uh, Angel does decide to, uh, like, look backstage to see what's going on. And Cordelia's like, yeah, I'll, I'll come and help you. Um, they, uh, they get backstage. There's a, uh, there's a guard. And at first they're like, oh, what should we do? Um, and Cordelia's like, should I just flirt? And, uh, and Angel says, uh, excuse me, but if the most beautiful woman in the world that I've ever... Like, don't be stupid. If the most beautiful woman in the world that I've ever seen comes up to me and starts flirting with me... I'm going to assume that it's either a bachelor party or a trap. Well, he specifies if that guy has the Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn. Um, I do love this, but she's like, what'd you call me? And he's like, I'm sorry, you're not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not what she was talking about, but oh my god, you guys should just kiss. Don't worry. They <laughs> will. Um, god, I've really turned into you, haven't oh, I? No, I've been a bad influence. <laughs> um, I the, the the smash cut where she's like, I've got a subtler approach. The smash cut too. Do you like bribes? <laughs> good. Yeah. Oh, but it's not a bribe, it's a tip. <laughs> and then Angel just clocks the guy. Yep. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, well, uh, there's that. Uh, they walk into they walk in through the backstage door and see an endless maze of corridors. This is actually the most theatrically accurate uh, part of this episode. I straight up got lost one time at the Kentucky Center. A place in... that you worked for several years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I wasn't a new employee. I was I was I was full time. I had worked there for years. I had my own damn office. And I went to someone's office in uh, in Pro Row, which is uh, production row. It's basically the backstage area, um, and where all of the, the the technical staff were. And I took one wrong turn, and I was suddenly in a hallway I had never seen before. <laughs> and I was like, "Where the fuck am I? I'm." I'm going to be lost down here forever. They're never going to see me again. In 20 years, someone's going to find my bones. Um, <laughs> like, I know when he says the line, it's like, I don't think the theater like goes on forever. Like, it kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, but yeah, they, um, they close. But uh, So they're like, we should probably uh, go back out the way we came. But that door's gone, and it is... A continuing maze of corridors. That's what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> I turned around the door I came through was gone. I just imagine you like calling up Aaron or somebody else like, hey, can you tell me where I am? I'll be totally real. I didn't, but I did come close. Like, <laughs> I think I actually ran into someone and was like, can you help me get back to my office? Aaron, do you think there's a part of the Kentucky Center that you could get extremely lost in? Probably, though I'm a little bit more familiar now with Pro than I used to be. I definitely have had that like backstage disorientation. Um, I think there's probably parts even in like the deep belly of the center, like where the engine... Oh, I had, I had been to the engineering offices for the first time in 10 years of working there uh, <laughs> recently. Uh, so yeah, yeah, there's definitely parts that I haven't seen before. Yeah. Yeah. It really is, and I assume most like big... Uh, PACs are like this. Um, the poster of the glacier, where there's the yeah. little bit you see, and yeah. then all the part underwater. Like that is kind of what it's like. Um, and and it, it is that same thing we were talking about of like when you when people come in, they get overwhelmed by the scope of it. I see it in my job now because I work with schools coming on field trips, and I see these kids come in and they walk in and they're like, "Oh my god, it's massive!" And I'm just like. You have no fucking clue. <laughs> I get down on their little faces. I'm like, you don't fucking know. You don't know. <laughs> stupid, <laughs> stupid little kid. Somehow I've not lost my job. <laughs> For legal purposes. This is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my boss, if you're listening, uh, this is all humor. I have never assaulted a child on the job. I've never assaulted a child. Yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's go with that. We'll stop. <laughs> Um, so my brothers like, actually would beg to differ, but <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> I was also so, a child, so so they uh, they end up going into the prima ballerina's dressing room, and uh, Angel says like, "Oh, it hasn't like it still looks like it's from the 1890s," and uh, and Cordelia sees a cross necklace on the table, um, and then that kind of like causes her to as she comments on how warm the room is. To start asking Angel to undress her, and Angel's like, "What? The, what is going on here?" And uh, they start realizing that they are being possessed by 
spirits who are madly in love and madly horny for each other. Uh, so we've definitely got some major vibes from from Buffy season two. I only have eyes for you, mm-hmm. um, but much sexier. Yeah. So Aaron, I, it really needs to be established that this is not the norm for the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's very a show, steamy. It's a uh. show full of hot people, but uh. The line, I want you inside me, oh, man. is shocking Wow, for this show. I, 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 no, I'm only alive when you're oh, yes, inside me. Yes, That's what that, no, that is not in... And, like, and I'm, actually, I'm actually saying this as a compliment because it is quite shocking to yeah. hear. Um, so it's, it is having the desired effect, but that is not how these characters talk to one another, even when yeah. they are like... The, the closest we get has been Buffy and Spike over on season six of Buffy. But I don't know, even that has not gone to some yeah, of the this is, So this, this is, is really emphasizing the fact that they are out of their minds possessed. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because, be, yeah, because like there's, there's been a lot, especially on Angel's side, of like, um, oh, you're clearly attracted to Cordelia. Um, and I think... Cordelia is probably attracted to Angel. Um, it's just that we haven't heard like from her, uh, and like, but then like you know at the beginning of the episode, Fred said like, "Oh, you're clearly gonna make Angel's head turn," and uh, Cordelia's like, "Oh, I mean, yeah, like the champion would want to be with me." Um, like, God, you stupid, stupid people, just, just kiss. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe we need to have the possessed. Um, I-, I will say, listen. I know it's not technically consensual what they're doing. Cancel me. Um, (laughs) It's fucking hot. And as a hardcore Angel Cordelia shipper, um, I'm just delighted to see it. And I love that later when Angel... They clearly, even though they are both possessed at the time, like, even when they break out of it, like, they're still kind of like... They're like, whoa, what was that? Oh, we should definitely we should stop. Go back. <laughs> fortunately, Cordelia, I'm just saying. Fortunately, like, Cordelia held there. on to the- <laughs> Same season. <laughs> yeah. No, we shouldn't do this. Right. <laughs> this is a bad idea. Fortunately, Cordelia held on to the cross necklace. Uh, well, I guess it's fortunately depending on what you want out of this scene. Uh, but uh, hold, like, uh, fortunately the, for the show's G rating, <laughs> the hand holding the cross necklace does eventually touch Angel, and of course, you know, crosses vampires, um, and uh, that snaps uh, them out of it, and they leave the dressing room, and they're like, "Whoa, man, oh man!" And uh, Angel kind of recognizes it as being like, uh, "Oh, we're." We were clearly possessed. He actually makes a little bit of a reference to "I only have eyes for you," mm-hmm. um, and he also has a reference. Uh, Cordelia's like, "Oh, good. There's no lingering effects." He removes his jacket. <laughs> and he's like, "Yep, no lingering effects." <laughs> as he covers his crotch. <laughs> Hot. Um, Fred does notice uh, right when Gunn and Wes are both trying to trying to put their hands on her leg. On, on opposite legs, mind you. That, it's like, uh, okay, that's, that reminds me of, like, when I'm waking up in the morning and, like, both my cat 
and my husband are like <laughs> like roll over onto me <laughs> and it's like come on give me some breathing room back up back up <laughs> I will say as much as I hate the actual content of it um the actual framing of the shot uh of both of them kind of moving their hands toward her hands and the it's just just like context aside the the, the composition of the frame was very nice yeah um I can I can appreciate good cinematography, <laughs> yeah, yeah, even yeah. when it's with bad storytelling. Cute. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, Fred realizes they're like, oh, they've been gone for a while. We need to look for them. Gus is like, but we'll miss the end. One of my favorite lines. One of my favorite lines. He's a convert. Yeah, one of my favorite lines of the episode. Uh, so um, the, all along, we've had like these weird kind of like hands in the in like the shadows uh and uh we see these hands like go to the count and he said and they like say like oh something's happening backstage he's like oh take care of it um meanwhile cordelia with uh, weird giggling i yes. don't know why the giggling was necessary yes. other than just to be um, uncanny and creepy but well that, that is definitely effective. what they're going yeah. for they're going yeah. for like what is the creepiest thing we can get out of a theatrical setting yeah. Kind of what we got here, like this weird cross between Guy Fox and uh-huh. uh, and like the Black Phone well, that came out last year. And well, and they're all, they're the comedy tragedy masks. Yeah, that's yeah, it. they're like, clearly a theatrical trope, like exaggerated. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Cordelia, however, does say that um, they're able to like get some idea. Like they mention the Count, and they mention uh, that they recall um, being afraid. So they're like, we need to go back in and let this thing run its course. And he's like, are you they sure? Need to <laughs> gather more evidence. <laughs> uh, and that just makes me think of the the ass crack bandit episode. Yes. <laughs> the, the dean's like, uh, the dean's like, what is this creepy business? <laughs> I think you two like to go on cutesy capers so you can hold hands in the dark in a semi-acceptable fashion. God, talk about, like, unrequited love. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. That was a reference to Community by BTW for anybody who didn't get that. Oh, my God. Um, That's one of my favorite fucking episodes. But, yeah, so they do go back in, and this gets hot and heavy. Um, Cordelia even calls Angel Stefan at one point, which makes me laugh because uh, one of the vampire brothers in Vampire Diaries, his name is Stefan, wow. Stefan Salvatore. Um, and uh, but yeah. that would not be a deliberate reference because oh yeah, no, 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 no. We're, we're still we're still uh, 2002, right? We're still yeah. six years off from I believe when uh, the Vampire Diaries. Uh, however, I'm not sure how old the book series is. Mm. that the series is based off of so uh but you know stefan could easily just be like some random ass uh russian name or whatever um it's it feels like uh oh this would definitely be the name of a what what is the name of a what is the name of a male ballet dancer like, is there no male equivalent? <laughs> I meant to say, is there any male equivalent of ballerina? Oh yeah, oh. there is. Um, it is. Uh, oh, I'm gonna draw a blank. This is. And I'm assuming ball. it's not ballerino. No. Um. Dansur. Dansur. Dansur, which huh. comes from the French. Uh, it sure sounds like it. <laughs> Speaking of names, does the 
Ballerina get a name? I don't think so. I think she's just the prima ballerina. Uh, um, sexist. Ste- <laughs> Stefan gets a name. We gave her boyfriend a name. <laughs> He's not even in the fucking episode. <laughs> she's just Giselle. Uh, but yes, and so uh, as they kiss and do more, damn, do they do more? Like, I mean, Angel even undoes like the top of Cordy's dress and is like just kissing her all down her torso. Mm-hmm. Good job, man. <laughs> um, it looked like he was getting the job done. Yeah, <laughs> she was into it. Yeah, she was. Um, but as they are in um, ballerina and Stefan. Uh, mindsets uh, Stefan does offer to take her away from the ballet um, and uh, but uh, the arrival of these minions uh, does immediately like snap them out of it and Cordelia is extremely embarrassed she's like oh my god no and uh, and Angel of course has to immediately jump into fighting these demons um, who have like Sore, like they have the rapiers and stuff, like yeah, just like stuff you They're would. They're creepy. They got like stabby, stabby, stab stuff. Yeah, <laughs> those are called swords <laughs> and <laughs> knives. And knives. <laughs> yes. Uh, meanwhile, um, uh, Gun and uh, Gunfred and Wes are also attacked. Uh, Gun looks like uh, Gun looks like he's kind of just run through with one of those swords, causing Fred to just like be extremely worried and uh before she beats the shit out of one of them i think that might cause her like i think that might be her impetus for doing that i was into it because fred is you know fred's the most academically minded of the team she's not really one of the fighters um so yeah i was like get it girl (laughs) now one thing that the buffy wiki does not make clear um, but I, I think it's implied is that um, I think Fred and Gunn start acting out the spirits um, because they start saying things that aren't in in tune with their normal characters. That's true. Gunn uh, gets really poetic. He starts like quoting. Oh, and Fred know. does that as well. This seems to like the the Buffy oh, Wiki seems to think that like it's. It's just kind of like them saying this stuff to each other. For a guy who's so like macho, I don't enjoy the like. I'm not artsy, but no, he, it, that it, is a little. That did yeah. seem a little. I assume they were. I assume they were getting. I assume they were in a hot spot as well. Well, and Wesley yeah. also mentions that he was in one that seems to be influenced by the the evil guy. The evil yeah, guy. The count. Yeah. But a part of me is like, I never really considered it. I just thought it was kind of just. Oh, Gun's getting weirdly poetic right now. That's weird. But I wonder if, because if it still feels in character, like, I'm, mm-hmm. this is, I guess, my reading of it, is that Gunn and Fred aren't fighting their feelings for each other. They're just kind of tiptoeing mm-hmm. around because they don't know how the other feels, whereas Cordy and Wesley... Cordy and Wesley. That, that hasn't been a thing since season three of Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Cordy and Angel are really actively fighting their feelings for one mm-hmm. another. So, so it hits them and when it hits them they are forced into the roles whereas when it hits Gunn and Fred who aren't fighting these feelings it allows them to still kind of be themselves mm-hmm. but just with a little push yeah a little and uh but yeah 
Gunn's injury isn't that horrible, and uh, he starts kind of making light of it, and then he and Fred kiss. Um, Gunn watches, and... Uh, excuse me. We're Wes both watches. Wrong. We're both stupid. Yep, yep. Wes, Wes <laughs> watches. Everyone's watching. Wes watches and has this kind of look of resentment on his face, and this very much allows the ro- like the role of the Count to get into him, mm. because... Um, uh, when Angel and Cordelia meet up with those three, uh, they say, like, "Why? how is the Count doing this? Why is he doing it? And that's when Wes comes out and explains. So it's like, oh, I understand what the Count is Yeah, he's, 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 he's yeah. yeah. Which is a little bit convenient, but, uh, you know, let's get on with the episode. <laughs> so do you think that actually it wasn't so much that they were possessed by these um, spirits and then the, those spirits caused them to act out of character as... It, their natural character inclinations allowed the spirits to act through them a little bit because kind of what you're reading, what you're oh, saying, oh, yeah, I'm you know, sure. The, the, I, and I think I think that I'm plays sure. out. Yeah, I'm sure that like how they feel allows that particular spirit to get into that. Like if two people who did not have sexual tension between them walked into that room, maybe they wouldn't mm-hmm. have been possessed by the spirits just of be these like, romantic love. They'd be like, oh man, I'm lost and I need to get back to my office. Right. Right. <laughs> Or if Wes didn't tap into his feelings of jealousy, that he wouldn't have mm, yeah, been no, possessed I, by... Yeah, no, I, de- I agree know. with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is exactly why, um, why, like you were saying earlier, um, Gunn and Fred have like the kind of carefree, just kind of love, whereas um, Angel and Cordelia have that, uh, have that like passion that you're fighting against. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Total sense. Also... It's not typically what I'm looking for in a sexy wound patching scene, but... You get a little bit. I was actually going to ask if you were into that. I love a sexy Me wound too. patching scene. Me too. There is It is such a... I remember seeing... I don't even remember what fucking movie it was, but I remember seeing a movie with Chelsea... And there was a wound patching scene, and I just remember leaning over, going, "Sexy wounds." <laughs> it is. It, it, Wait, you said that, or Chelsea said that? I did. <laughs> um, but Chelsea agreed with me. Um, but it, there's something. And the jokes aside, it is actual wound so, care, not sexy. Not sexy. Not sexy. No, no. But it, on television, it's like there's an intimacy to it. Like you are. That is what it is. It's the vulnerability and the intimacy. Mm-hmm. And the shirtlessness. And the shirtlessness. Because <laughs> usually this is like the first time that the, guy, the girl has seen the guy shirtless, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he would have never otherwise. And, yeah. Yeah. Not on this show, though. Yeah, no. We get it every few episodes. Okay, and good. I'm always excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so Wes explains like the Count's jealousy, that he's a wizard. And um, he discovered that... Uh, so he loved... He loved the ballerina, but he found out that uh, this man, Stefan, was going to, like, take her away. So that's why he forced her into the... Can we maybe sub out that word love with uh, lusted after? Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Obsessed. um, Obsessed over, stalked a little bit. Yes. Um, Sexually abused. He was... Yes, it, all of those things, um, and uh, and so like after after like making her part of the of the production, he then found this temporal shift uh, that would allow her to dance for him forever. 
Not cool, my guy. Not no. cool. See, what would have been cool, though, is if they tied the magic of that phenomenon in with the magic of Willie's dancing somebody to death forever, or, like, dancing somebody yeah. forever. It does seem like a bit of a missed opportunity. If they were just like, the magic is real, you know? Like, no, I'm, I would have been into that. I... Maybe that would have taken too long. No, I no, I think I mean, we could have just cut out the love triangle bullshit. Yeah. Um, I because I agree with you. I'd never really thought of it before because I, I, I think the first time, well, the first time I saw this, I didn't know what the plot of Giselle was. It was whatever. The most recent time I had seen it, but I, I don't know. I would think I was like, oh, it was that boring ballet I didn't like. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. uh, so I wasn't really thinking about that. But you're right. There is a lot of opportunities. Even within the plot, that you don't even change the plot much. There are a lot of opportunities to tie these stories together in a mm-hmm. way that might have been more satisfying, a little more rich. But uh, the um, the gang is uh, basically like taking out these minions from the count. But uh, as he's um, as they're taking them out, they're multiplying. Bit of a Hydra esque sort of scenario. And uh, Angel realizes that, um, oh, or Wes says that, like, for something to be maintained for this long, it has to be, like, concentrated power. So if they can keep drawing from the Count's power um, by making more of these things, then they should be able to, uh, like, weaken the power and allow Angel to destroy the power center. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's searching for it, and then we get this amazing scene where the titular scene, the prima ballerina is waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really was a good scene. I yeah. really loved Yeah. Like I, I thought she brought a lot to it as an actor and like And it is legit her only apart from like the reactions that she has right before she disappears, it's her only chance to act mm-hmm. because uh, unless you can like mm-hmm. acting as in the role of the ballerina, but I mean you're not necessarily doing the ballet. You're acting as a ballerina. Yeah. And so so one of the things that bothered me about the performance as I initially saw it was um, her the way that she used her head and her facial expression was just very like disjointed. And it almost felt like the head was just like not connected to the body. And like her facial expression was not like she was not acting the character at all. And I was like, that's very off-putting. It seems very amateurish and incomplete and later on after kind of learning about the plot it was like okay well maybe that was an intentional choice to show that this spirit has done this role been forced to play this role so many times that she's completely disengaged from it Mm -hmm. because that's what it came across as of like this is like somebody who's completely disengaged yeah um however this is a little bit of a plot hole because she said... It's the um, same performance. It's the same performance. Yeah. So, in theory, if what she's saying is true, then every bit of her performance, and as a dancer can tell you, your performance includes even, like, where you're putting mm-hmm. your eyes, like, how your facial muscles are engaged. Like, you can't cut that off from the overall performance. Um, it's not just about what's happening with your feet. As she, you know, says, like, oh, yeah, I know it's the same performance every time because I always roll my ankle in the same spot mm-hmm. every single time. Like, she, if she was performing it the same way that she did when she got trapped, then I would have expected her to be bringing her best to that role, given that she's playing the lead role. That know? would imply, like, though, that perhaps even before she got trapped... 
she was in this disillusioned state, which makes sense Maybe. because she's being yeah. she does, like obsessed with by her boss. And she's just lost the love of her yes, life. Yes, and she does. Okay. And the thing okay. is, is that she also blames herself for all for a lot of this because mm-hmm. she does say that um, it's a real purgatory here, being trapped doing a bad performance over and over. <laughs> no, no, all I'm eternity. So sorry. I didn't That's even like no, no, nightmare like fuel. Like yeah. literally, it is every fuel. dancer has had that nightmare, uh-huh. right? Every performer has had that nightmare. Being I, I on was stage. actually going. I was actually going to bring it up. Like, right. I mean, how <laughs> scary is that um, to imagine? Like, since we've all been performers at some point. How scary is that to imagine? Like, oh, you have to make the same mistake over and over the again. Worst performance, yeah, forever. <laughs> I mean, this would be the last performance that she did, presumably after she lost the love of her life. And it's funny and that then she and also she's trapped in it. And then yeah, she's trapped. That's in it. oh, that's so awful. So yeah, hard. And, yeah. and you know, like again, she blames herself partially for it because she chose. Mm-hmm. To not yeah. go with her, not go with the love of her life. She chose because she wanted to be. She thought that she could she be said great. I, sh- I should have gone earlier. Yeah, she said I less. hesitated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the line that got me. Was I hesitated? Yeah. Uh, I, I. It's not shocking to me that Joss Whedon saw this performance and went. Either I, either he already had the river character in mind and went. I found my river, or he went. I've got to I've got to write a character for this book. She does this mm-hmm. this. She's so good. Mm-hmm. She's so, like she's very emotive, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think like maybe the way that she was using her expression in the dancing had to have been intentional. As somebody who is such a good actress, I would think that like mm-hmm. that would be an intentional choice. I just don't know if I entirely agree with it, but I, I think you make a strong point. Yeah. But yeah, the um, and. We've kind of like danced around the actual synopsis of the scene, but yes, Angel does find the ballerina waiting there. Um, she's surprised because like, oh, you're somebody new that I've never seen before. And that's when she says that like, yeah, um, this happened shortly after. Mm-hmm. Let the love of my life go away. I wanted to be a part of this production. And um, she's like, she not only has to do the same show every night, it's the same performance every night. She knows because she remembers every time like, rolling her ankle mm-hmm. while while doing this while doing the performance she has a really telling line too where she says that he doesn't he doesn't even notice it because mm-hmm. he doesn't even really know ballet yeah yeah which yeah. is oof i feel like this when, is when like you work this in the is arts, super, you know that feel, like, I, this is I super did, red shoes right here yes and i did feel that so many elements like that were um were relatable to performers even if like not everything about the performance made sense as as far as like the reputation of this company and people's uh, obsession with it. Like, everything about, um, you know, from the excitement of a fan going to see the ballet for the first time and the excitement around getting dressed up and, like, the fun of that to things like, comments like that of, like, you know, he doesn't even really understand. He doesn't even really notice um, because they don't have any knowledge of this. Like, and how meaningful and kind of like disappointing and hurtful that might be to the performer who's you know given their life over to this art form like all all of those things you can tell were crafted by somebody who got it you know Mm -hmm. who understood and i i did appreciate that i didn't feel like it was coming from a total like 
somebody who doesn't know ballet at all tries to write a ballet episode, you know? Yeah. Like I think Gunn appreciated the ballet more than the Count did. Yeah. He absolutely um, did, <laughs> yes. Um, Though he equally does not understand ballet. <laughs> so Angel says that um, they can they can help her if she just changes the changes the performance. She says, I can't do that. He's like, look, his power's weakening because of what we're doing backstage. So she does go out and she just change up the performance just a little bit. The count notices and uh, this allows Angel to actually go onto the stage, get up into the box and he's like, oh, where's your power center? Oh, I guess it's here. Very much Legend of Zelda. Oh, where is this? Where's the weak spot? <laughs> it's it right the, here. The shining the eye in the middle of the <laughs> Imagine you're like a ballet aficionado. You're seeing Giselle, which you're familiar with. And then just out of nowhere, some random dude just like just runs across right the stage. That's, that's maybe that's why their their applause was scant at yeah, the end. Like, interesting. <laughs> and then and then all the dancers just disappear. Yeah, more I, I do I do love be. that the ballerina does do that last bow, which is um, a, which is a swan bow, which is like weird because they were like oh like swan like all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe she just really was like I've been doing Giselle so long. I'm just gonna I, I know gonna about do to, a fucking swan bow. I'm I'm about to fade away, <laughs> so I'm just doing one last thing that's not this fucking ballet. Yeah, I think it I, I think it I think Absolutely. it's just an iconic sort of movement for ballet dancers. So it, oh, yeah. yeah. So that's like that's how they wanted it to go. <laughs> it's out. the Leonardo DiCaprio point. Like ah yeah yes, yeah absolutely. for the uh, for the uneducated. <laughs> uneducated. Uh, yeah, so um yeah so we're back at the hotel. Uh, Angel and Cordelia are like, hey, let's just forget about it. Cordelia's like, yeah, definitely forget about it. Forget about, like, you know, what she saw, whether they were perky or not. <laughs> and, uh, and Angel, but that's when Angel kind of says, like, look, I mean, you know, you know, when I kiss you and um, all of that, like, it's it's a little, it's not an easy thing for me to just do. Like, we've, we both kind of, and it looks like they're having this moment trying and, to say I got feelings for yeah him. and he's well, like and he specifically is like this is what I love so much about this scene is he's trying because he, he's like I want to forget about it and she kind of gets a little offended like was it that awful and he's trying to tell her like no I want I want the real thing yeah he, like I that's what I'm after not this forced supernatural thing um but he doesn't get the chance he doesn't get the chance oh. because the Grusalog has shown up uh, who we haven't seen since the end of season two of Angel, mm-hmm. who they when they left him you in can charge just tell from his muscles and his long hair, he's not good for her. Like, <laughs> no. I actually know. believe it or not, he's he's actually a very sweet. Person. Is he okay? He is. Well, that I, is good. I'm no, I'm actually that. gonna yeah. be real. Uh, I see the gun Fred Wesley love triangle is like dumb bullshit. I actually mm-hmm. like the angel, even though I'm a big Angel Cordy shipper. The, this love triangle between her, Gru, and Angel really works for me, and we're going to obviously talk about it more as we go into the season, but one, because the Grusalog is a minor character, mm-hmm. um, uh, but also, like, he legitimately works as a potential partner for Cordelia. Um, it doesn't feel like he's been thrown in there for mm. the sake of drama. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it's something that, like, if you saw, like, Cordelia's arc at the end of season two... It'd be a Would little. Would make more sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, he is. He is. All right. He is. At, he is. I believe he is. He is as. He is as sweet as he is handsome. Maybe even okay. more so. Okay. All right. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, like they Hashtag left him. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they let they left him in charge of Pylea when they left. Um, however, Lorne comments on the fact that Pylea has decided to make a republic instead of a monarchy, or whatever weird, Whoa. weird like got a weird like political thing yeah. going on. Um, so they don't need a leader. So Gru decided to return for his love, and Angel decides to just go up and check on his son. And Fred was a little confused. She's like, I could have sworn that she and Angel were supposed to end up together. And Wes is like, I guess nothing can ever be foretold and who you think is going to end up with whom. And that is how we close this episode. I am going to say one thing in defense of Wesley. This is, I love Wesley, but this is, these are not good colors on you, my friends. Uh, in the scene where they are all, the four of them are you know, backed against the wall about to mm-hmm. fight. He does have a moment where he looks at Gunn and Fred and he tells them... You two should stick together. Stick together. Yes, I appreciate that, like, even though he momentarily got possessed by the spirit of jealousy, literally, uh, he does not let himself be overcome by that. He very quickly diverts mm-hmm. and goes into like nope i'm myself we're problem solving and this is clearly what is objectively best for the group right now and like take my ego out of it even though he is obviously hurt yeah and that does speak uh a lot to his character yeah let's see how wesley's ego fares <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert not great <laughs> oh man <laughs> um, yeah, waiting the wing. So, Aaron, you're our guest. What? Totally, just like for the you, just coming in for this random episode, yeah. for a show you've never seen. That's got you know, counting the Buffy seasons that came before it, six seasons of history for these characters. Tell us your thoughts. Um, well, I you know I got a little bit of intro about the characters uh, beforehand, but. All in all, I think this, as you said, it does stand alone as its own, um, as an episode, pretty well. Like, I didn't feel completely lost about, like, the relationships. They make all that pretty clear. Sometimes a little too clear. But, um... It helped that those relationships were kind of the focus of the episode. Yeah, there's definitely some hokiness to it. I think that's just, you know, Buffy franchise vibes. Oh, yeah. But, um... Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I will say I, I had fun watching it. Um, I always have fun hating on ballet like performances in TV because they're <laughs> never accurate. But I appreciate that this one, you know, like I said, it did kind of give context to maybe why some of those performances weren't the best. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, it was satisfying. I'd say it was satisfying. It could have been stronger. It could have been richer and more complex. It could have really dived into uh, kind of the complexity of the themes uh, present in the ballet. So I would say like three and a half to four out of five stars from me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I I enjoy this episode. Um, I love that it's kind of like the the world's introduction to Summer Glau. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I like the Angel and Cordelia part of it. Um, the gun and the gun, Wes and Fred. I mentioned last episode I'm not a fan of it. And I mean, a lot of it's played for comedy at the, in this episode, apart from like a couple, like maybe like, 
you know, the actual scene where Wes is possessed by the by the count. Um, but it's it's still like, uh, do we really need this to happen? And I feel like the effects of it are going to be a little more apparent in the next couple of episodes as opposed to what it is now. Um, I am like... I, I, I hate my rom-com tropes, so I hate when like, oh... You know, the guy who you've been cheering for is finally saying what he needs to say to the girl that he loves. <laughs> and then, of course, right then is when the yeah. a, an old lover of the of the girl is uh, shows up and... God damn it. It's yeah. um, God, Smallville had like a really oh. bad one when it was Chloe's wedding and oh. Clark is finally talking to Lois. Jason, you need to stop right now because I'm going to go into a rage like I did when I watched that episode. <laughs> no dude my dad went into a fucking rage he, he was just like cause you know he's been wanting Clark and Lois to get together forever he's like really she came back now and sometimes I feel like what what angers me about those scenes is that the writers are clearly just like making a choice to be able to like, extend the plot extend mm-hmm. the conflict for longer and in reality like that is not how people would behave. Yeah. That it like yeah. she is not that dense. You know, she's a smart woman. She knows that there's tension there. She knows that there's feelings. Like she has the capability of at least recognizing that in her own, you know, yeah. self, I, if not expressing it. And the fact that she'd just be like playing yeah. dumb is I kind think, of unbelievable. Like, I think I think on TV show history writing whatever um we're at kind of like the cusp of where female characters are starting to be written a little more realistically but we're not there yet not by miles like like, yeah um because there's like obviously a big like this this episode is 21 years old um, there's obviously a big, uh, <laughs> no, it's not, it can't be. <laughs> there's a, yeah, this episode's old enough to drink. <laughs> we're up, there's still like a big gap between what we see on TV now and what we're seeing on TV then. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, you know, I'm here for the fan service of Angel and Cordy getting hot together. Um, so I'm, I think this is. I think this is a three and a half out of five for me. Three and a half uh, point shoes out of five. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I like this episode a lot. Uh, the Angel and Cordy Shipper in me gives it five stars. <laughs> like, that, like, uh, but uh, because we are here to be a little more critical um, and nuanced in our discussions, boo. Um, it's a three and a half for me as well. It's a fun episode. Um, it's a steamy episode. Also, and it you know, as we mentioned before, there's some episodes that kind of like shake up the format a little bit between yeah. Buffy and Angel. I think this is one of them, and I think it does it for the better because, I mean, the uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm like literally cutting in on your actual opinion, <laughs> but uh, I was just gonna say that like it, the whole like backstage stuff does feel a little more drawn out kind of like the way that a simple story in ballet can be drawn out over the course of the performance so little 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 bit maybe also mirrored by the drawing out of the hallways yeah and the drawing out of that poor dancer's life (laughs) (laughs) um yeah the gun wrestling fried stuff just 
bogs it down. And it's frustrating because individually, Gunn, Wesley, and Fred are all great characters. And I really like Gunn and Fred as a couple, especially at this stage where, you know, they're literally just starting out. Um, but... Yeah, that stuff is a bummer. Um, and you don't really get to see Fred as a character other than uh, as a, an object of these two guys. Like, And that is the and, big and problem her. with love triangles. That is the problem a little bit. Like, because she's, normally she's kind it's, of just... Like, because I, normally it's the woman who who gets the lack of focus. Yeah. Yeah. Now, she does have her... She... I think... I thought her desire for Gunn was more apparent than Gunn's desire for her, but it's clearly still, like... Their, their connection is stronger, mm-hmm. and she's kind of just a pretty face in this episode. Yeah, a very pretty face. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's... And that's actually a big problem I have with the love triangle overall, is I feel like often I know exactly how Wesley and Gunn feel in all of it. I don't know how Wesley, or how Fred feels, except that likes Gunn. Mm-hmm. Um... And Fred's a great character. Like she, she Fred gets a lot of agency. Not so much in this episode, um, but like at the same time, this episode's not about Fred. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it. Uh, yeah. So we're just. I have feelings. Uh, but yeah, this is a this is a good, not great episode. But it's a lot of fun, and honestly, it's one that I'm. If I just want to watch a random episode of Angel, I'll probably pick. This one over, per se, like, Lullaby. Lullaby is a five-star perfect episode, but, like, I'm not just going to put it on for a good time. Yeah, <laughs> you, guys, this is you're, like, you, you go through the emotions in that episode. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we start getting out of here? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess but, you're taking us out. Yeah, I, I should have pulled up my thing before I, before I segued into the outro. <laughs> Same. Fix it in post. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Buffy Season 6, Episode 13, Dead Things. Ooh. Um, Aaron, is there anything that you want to plug or uh, advertise or nah. share? <laughs> All right. No worries. Fair enough. Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on the gram at yamij357. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. In all those cases, the and is spelled out A-N-D. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Sorry, I know this is technically, this next section technically usually goes to you, Jason, but... You didn't uh, give me anything, so go for it. Uh, So we normally end our episodes giving a shout out to a charity or a nonprofit that we think it... Sometimes we theme it to the episode, sometimes we don't, sometimes it's themed around, you know, what's happening in the world. But Aaron, do you have any particular... Nonprofits or charities that mean a lot to you, or you think people should look into, or man, um, I should have come prepared. I should have prepared you. <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't take this on yourself. Yeah, this is all Harrison's fault. There are many. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Um, I am. I'm going to say you should. Find a local arts organization 
and buy a ticket Mm -hmm. to a show that um, is different than a show that you might normally go see. Do a little research beforehand and support them with your commitment to purchase a ticket. Fuck yeah. As a fellow ticketing person, I fully support that message. (laughs) And as a person who buys tickets, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, go slay. And be gay.